Good afternoon and welcome to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. Coming up this afternoon, Neil Townsend offers a breakdown of yesterday's Stats Canada's latest model-based principal field crop estimates report. And Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture gives us the latest crop report. The latest farm news and market numbers also coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. I spoke with Dane Fraze from Manitoba Agriculture, who offered up the latest crop report. We're seeing harvest completion ratchet up this week. Uh, those pesky rains from the previous two weeks have stopped and allowed for some good harvest conditions. So we saw a rapid jump in harvest completion, moving from 50 to 65% done, largely as a result of cereals being more or less finished and a huge push into canola across the western half of the province. Okay. And where is harvest, I guess, in compared to like the seasonal average for this time? Right now, we're slightly ahead of our five-year average, which is about 61% complete for this week uh, of, this, of September. It's not uh, too much of a shock to see that we're further ahead this year, given that we had a very dry, very open and early spring, coupled with drought stress throughout the summer. Those things combine to hasten crop maturity and make it uh, a much faster time to ripen. Uh, so we're seeing harvest a little bit ahead of what we would normally Okay. And you talked about uh, those pesky late season rains uh, that we've been seeing. Um, I I guess, yeah, they've been causing some issues in terms of some regrowth happening. They certainly have. While we desperately need the rains for regrowth on forage and pastures and to replenish soil water tables for next year, uh, it's spurred a lot of regrowth, particularly on thin and uh, stagey canola and flax crops. We're seeing it more on the northern side of the region and into the interlake and eastern regions where canola would have been ripe two weeks ago and just about ready to harvest and now starts to throw a lateral branch and we're seeing those green branches coming up the side and now we're seeing yellow canola flowers in the midst of what was previously a ripe crop. So some farmers are calling it uh, going backwards as far as that goes. So that makes it a real challenge to harvest. Um, Many farmers will have to either swath or they'll have to desiccate and uh, allow those green stems to dry down before they can take what is there. However, if the crop is too thin, they may look at silaging it off or using it as a green feed for livestock. In canola's case, flax is less uh, palatable for um, cattle that way, but is also less prone to shattering. So it may be that we may have enough time to have some of those late bowls ripen and be harvested before mm-hmm. frost sets in. Okay. And how is uh, the forage regrowth going? Right now, most cattle producers are quite pleased. Um, forage regrowth has been better than expected with the uh, recent rains, and we're seeing pastures able to support uh, grazing now, and most pastures are not having to have supplemental feed brought to the cattle. Um, this is reducing some of the stress on livestock farmers to supply uh, feed from their overwinter supplies but we are still seeing feed supplies being short. So cattle producers are still looking to bale and find alternate feeds wherever possible. What about some of the late season crops like soybean and corn? Um, How are we looking there? Uh, Soybean harvest is just about to get started or has started in in a few spots. Mm -hmm. Um, Yields aren't, um, haven't heard any yields yet, but we expect to see that ramp up very quickly. Mm Mm-hmm. Corn harvest will begin um, probably closer towards the first part of October. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend, we should see many cornfields being wrapped up. 
Should be long before the snow flies. I hope so. Well, I hope we don't have a repeat of 2019 where we had that uh, Thanksgiving snowstorm. So <laughs> we would uh, certainly like a nice open fall to get some field work done, get those crops off. However, we still need moisture, even if it is a bit of a challenge to our harvest operations. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what are you hearing about in terms of like the soybean you know, quality and that kind of thing um, as producers are starting to take it off? I know some were hopeful that this rain would help a little bit. Yeah, um, the rain tends to help. And, uh, help even up maturity in many cases. So okay. what we see with rains, we do tend to see soybean crops uh, drop leaves and become a little bit more uniform towards harvest. It's not likely that the rain will have helped uh, increase yield at all. Mm-hmm. It may help increase bushel weight a little bit by making the seeds heavier. Um, but right now, I don't have any specific comments on yield. It was it's a little too early to tell, mm-hmm. but so far, they, from what I have been hearing, is, is generally good. That was Manitoba Agriculture's Dane Fraze with the latest crop report. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. And now for a look at today's farm news. I'm Candace Dirksen. Canadian Federation of Agriculture President Mary Robinson is reflecting on what she calls a lively ag leaders debate. CFA hosted the event last week, which brought together national parties to question them on the pressing issues affecting Canadian agriculture today. There was nothing earth-shattering came out of it, but I think, you know, we certainly saw a lot of discussion about labor. We talked about value added, and, and we saw lots of interest in the part of, you know, we need greater local processing capacity. We discussed the grocery code of conduct, which I think is incredibly important, maybe not so much in the mind of, uh, of grain and oilseed farmers, but really, I think, for any part of agriculture that's more focused on Canadian consumers. Uh, environmental support, great to see recognition from three parties that exemptions are needed. Participants included the NDP's Alistair McGregor, Yves Perrault of the Bloc Québécois, Conservatives Dave Epp, and Marie-Claude Bebo for the Liberals. And the Manitoba Habitat Heritage Corporation has issued a call for proposals from organizations looking for project funding through the Conservation and Grow Trusts. $9 million is available for 2022. Program manager Tim Sopuck says they've launched a two-stage application process. So at this point, groups submit a letter of intent. It's basically a simple description of what they want to do, an indication of how much money they are seeking, and then all of the letters of intent that are accepted go forward to a full application process. And that full application process begins uh, in October, and there's... uh, we go through a number of steps and uh, we're expecting to be able to have uh, funds or grants announced to organizations uh, in the spring of 2022. Nonprofits can apply for up to $600,000 through the Conservation Trust. Grow Trust applications are only open to Manitoba's 14 watershed districts. That was a look at your farm news. I'm Candace Dirksen. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Egg Wire for Wednesday, September 15th. I'm Candace Dirksen. Coming up today, Neil Townsend offers a breakdown of yesterday's Stats Canada's latest model-based principal field crop estimates report. I spoke with FarmLink's Neil Townsend following the release of the report. 
I'm not sure if they hit the surprise uh, category, but I mean, they did lower canola significantly from, you know, the earlier report that came out. Uh, so this one is the model base. I mean, uh, you can kind of read the details of it. I mean, I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's basically uh, traditionally they've relied on surveys, and about three or four years ago they started this model-based one. The biggest difference between the model base and the survey base is the survey is as of sort of the end of July, and the model base is more kind of like what is it right now. Mm-hmm. So you would think that the crop kind of, uh, particularly canola, maybe deteriorated a little further. There was some rain, but I think that came too late for for canola. So the big number that kind of stands out in this report is the, is the 12.8 million ton canola production, and that's down 2 million tons from the uh, the report that they put out on August 30th, which was up till July 31st. You know, it seems like weather certainly was a big theme. Weather was a huge theme. I mean, this was a very, very tough year for many farmers across Western Canada. Um, the Saskatchewan production numbers, which came out last week, were kind of eye-opening with very low, you know, provincial yields. Um, those aren't maybe official, official numbers because it's just 200 crop scouts, but still, you know, there was some pretty dire conditions and it's really limited the production of key commodities in Western Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess, what about in Manitoba? Um, your thoughts on the numbers coming out for that province? Well, Manitoba is definitely, uh, you know, there are bad parts of Manitoba, but there's also some, you know, trend or even above trend parts of Manitoba. So the numbers in Manitoba are, are not quite as, as bad. I mean, the Red River Valley uh, would have been, you know, south of Winnipeg would have been maybe a little bit harder hit, uh, and also the interlake area above Winnipeg. Um, and, you know, I, I can't speak to any particular farmer, so some farmers had okay crops and some farmers definitely suffered. But I think Manitoba, you know, isn't quite, outside of a few regions of Manitoba, it's not as widespread difficulties as faced by sort of like the southern Alberta and, and Saskatchewan in general. But there are bad parts of Manitoba. So, uh, but I think the good thing for Manitoba is that some farmers grow corn and soybeans, and they have definitely been improved by sort of the late season rain and the August rain. So, you know, they have slightly better uh, production prospects than maybe what we would have thought of on August 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned canola earlier in the interview, um, you know, anticipated to be kind of the lowest level since 2010. Um, your thoughts when you see that? Well, it's going to be a big predicament because, uh, you know, the demand structure both domestically and offshore for canola sort of suggests we need, you know, ballparkish like 20 to 22 million tons of of uh, supply. And, I mean, we're just not going to have that. We're going to have somewhere, if we're lucky, between, uh, you know, 14 and 15 million tons, maybe closer to 15 million tons, depending on the ending stocks. And, and that's just a scenario where, um, you know, we have to do significant demand rationing. You kind of started in on this a little bit, but the market impacts of, um, you know, what you're seeing uh, in today's report. Yeah, I mean, I think that the high price structure that we've seen for most of the commodities will remain. Now, again, speaking specifically for maybe Manitoba and uh, corn and soybean farmers, I think that, you know, the crop in the United States right now, which they're just entering into the harvest phase, uh, it is perceived as being bigger than expected. I mean, the, it escaped most of the drought, and, you know, there were some heavy rains and stuff. But, you know, we'll wait and see. But 
the fact that the market perceives it to be sort of a better crop than expected has sort of weighed on corn and soybean prices. The final results might dictate something else, but for canola and for spring wheat and for, you know, lentils and pulses, I mean, you know, Canada is such a key producer of those that the price structure is going to be very attractive for the year. Now, unfortunately, many farmers don't have product to take advantage of those prices, but it should set us up for, you know, potentially some good opportunities to make some sales on new crop, uh, like uh, 2022 production. Um, but, you know, the canola price has to kill more demand, in my opinion. So canola prices will probably remain high throughout the entire marketing year and into next year. And uh, I guess in general, uh, what are you hearing in terms of how harvest is going across the prairies? Oh, um, the prairie for harvest is going very good. I mean, I think, you know, there in some areas, unfortunately, there isn't a lot of product to get off the field, so it's it's wrapping up. Uh, and then in Manitoba, we're probably just, you know, in the early, early stages of, uh, of thinking about uh, sort of like harvesting corn and soybeans. But I, I, I think that we haven't had any really terrible weather, and uh, it should be, you know, we should get the crop off without uh, without much difficulty from here on out. That was FarmLink's Neil Townsend with his thoughts following the latest Stats Canada model-based principal field crop estimates report. That's it for the Prairie AgWire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Candace Dirksen and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. The Prairie AgWire will return Thursday on the Golden West Farm Network. And now for a look at your farm calendar. The official Manitoba Hunter Safety Course is available online. This is endorsed by the province of Manitoba and Manitoba Wildlife Federation. Visit huntercourse.com to register. Set up for a successful harvest with Canada's Outdoor Farm Show happening as an online event today. For more information, visit outdoorfarmshow.com. And looking ahead, Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is holding an introduction to Holistic Management Mondays beginning October 4th, running until November 8th. These online sessions will be held from 6 to 7 p.m. Registration is required. On Tuesdays, Verified Beef Production Plus webinars are being held in the evening at 7 o'clock. These interactive webinars allow participants to view presentations as well as ask questions in real time. Pre-registration is required, so contact Melissa Atchison at 204-264-0294 or email verifiedbeefmanitoba at gmail.com. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon. The late summer rains are helping to improve the situation on many area farms, including Rich Lane Farms near Marchand. Reporter Judy Peters has the story. In early August, Richard Carr told us the drought conditions were impacting crops, which caused concern for cattle farmers struggling to get enough feed for the winter. Now, he says things are looking up at his farm. Harvest has gone good. We've, uh, we've done some, some oats for green feed. Uh, we're doing some, a second cut of millet this week, which has done extremely well for us. Carr is hopeful the frost will stay away for a bit longer to allow them to get the corn crop off the field within the next two weeks. As for his dugout, which ran dry in spring, Carr says it's filling up a bit, but can certainly use a lot more rain. Carr says the rain has helped their corn crop, which was seeded a bit later than usual.
Yeah, it helped it along a bit. It's not going to be a phenomenal crop, but it's also not going to be quite as bad as we had uh, initially thought. Um, I'd say we're going to take off a, an okay amount of feed from that, but um, yeah, it definitely looks better now than it did a month and a half ago, that's for sure. Eleven years ago, Carr and his family started up Rich Lane Farms. They started with beef cattle, and three years ago, they added dairy. Judy Peters caught up with Carr, who says this was a good move to make. Uh, yes, I am. I grew up dairy farming, so dairy farming has always been a big part for me. And, um, yeah, it was a nice way to, to like, now I'm home full-time. When I, we had the beef cattle, I worked full-time uh, on top of the farm. And uh, now this is a good way to keep me and, the, and my family home full-time. Oh, that must be nice. Yeah, it is. And your kids, are they getting interested in farming as well? Or are they starting to learn how, how mom and dad are doing things? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, the kids are all very much involved. They all have their, their daily chores to do. And uh, my oldest son now is 13, so he does, uh, you know, he helps me in the field, drives tractor in the field and, and chores around the yard. So he's a big help there. He likes the equipment part. And, uh, you know, we have some help uh, on the farm, some lab, some employees. But on evenings where we're doing chores, then all the children come out and help feed calves. And, yeah, wherever they can lend a hand, they lend a hand or just kind of tag along. But they're, they are all involved in the farm in some some capacity. That's got to make you feel pretty good to see that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's uh, there's no other way I want to raise my family. And uh, it's, uh, it's a good way to raise children. We have a motto here. If you ever ask my children what comes first, they'll all reply the work comes first. And not to say that we want to work 24-7. We like to go and have fun, too. But uh, if we want to go have fun, if we want to go to the beach for the day or go to the lake for the weekend, the work has to get done first before we can leave. Oh, that sounds great. So when, uh, when everyone pitches in, more hands make for light work. I think that's how that saying goes. That's Richard Carr from Rich Lane Farms in conversation with reporter Judy Peters. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time for another look at today's farm news. Canadian Federation of Agriculture President Mary Robinson feels last week's Ag Leaders debate covered a lot of territory in a short time. CFA hosted the event last week, which brought together national parties to question them on the pressing issues affecting Canadian agriculture today. In hindsight, Robinson says it would have been nice to have more discussion on trade. We did discuss supply management and we recognize that in Canada, supply management is, is necessary and we think that we can continue to secure new markets without having to undermine that important uh, system and the controls that it offers, supply management supporting farm families across Canada. Also discussed was the next policy framework and funding for agriculture, environment and climate change, infrastructure and mental health. And $9 million in funding is being made available to organizations next year through the province's Conservation and Grow Trusts. Manitoba Habitat Heritage Corporation has issued a call for proposals for 2022. Nonprofits can apply for up to $600,000 through the Conservation Trust. Grow Trust applications are only open to Manitoba's 14 watershed districts. Program Manager Tim Sopuck. There's quite a range of activities going on. It's all focused really in the agricultural landscape, and uh, all of it is designed to uh, support activities that work in cooperation with uh, producers uh, so that you know, conservation can be implemented hand-in-hand with agricultural production rather than you know, one or the other. 
to date, MHHC has committed $17.9 million to 119 projects with 44 conservation groups in Manitoba. I'm Candace Dirksen. And we've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Candace Dirksen. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email at thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. I'm Candace Dirksen and thanks for listening. Have a good afternoon. We'll meet you back here tomorrow at 12 o'clock.